You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. The episode will be joined later by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can find us at Rust Belt Running. Today, we're going to have one of our un- uninterrupted episodes. Um, Really not a reason, really not an episode where we couldn't get together to talk. More about, it's really more about Andrew and I sharing uh, kind of separate stories on the subject we're going to discuss today. And, you know, rather than having a back and forth about it, we really wanted to just more have uninterrupted time, each of us to sit down uh, and and discuss uh, where we're at with these things. So what the episode is about really is about uh, feelings and emotions, which is you know, an interesting topic to discuss on a running podcast. And, and I'll, I'll tell you up front that you know, th- this isn't really like a how-to sort of episode uh, you know, in terms of dealing with emotions and feelings. Uh, it's not necessarily an episode that you can apply to your running, although most of what I talk about is related to my running. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of go back into some things that I shared uh, going back to the performance mindset episode when I discussed you know emotions and, and feelings with coaching, um, Andrew's Andrew's segment really is, is more personal. Um, you know, he and Brittany had to make the difficult decision to uh, put down one of their dogs, and uh, you know he's just you know realistically been having a tough time with it, and it's really you know been at the forefront of his mind, and so. Um, you know, he really discusses you know what he's been going through and, and the fact that he's really just choosing to dive into those emotions and feelings and, and experience them. And so I'm not really going to discuss Andrew's segment anymore. Uh, I'm going to let that be something he talks about. Um, but I guess I just wanted to, you know, kind of explain up front that this is a little bit of a different episode, that there's not necessarily a through line and that we're both approaching this topic from the same spot. We're really kind of looking at feelings and emotions that we've been dealing with and experiencing in our own lives. And, and really, we're just going to kind of uninterruptedly talk about them. So, um, you know, what we did agree on, Andrew and I got together on Monday and just, you know, it was an off day for me and, uh, from running. It was an off day for him from work. And he and I got together and, and just had a nice walk in the Calgary Valley, you know, took his, um, took his other dog Brutus out for a walk. And we were discussing this episode a little bit and really just trying to think about, you know, how did we want to present this episode? What through line was there? And the thing we, we did come to and agree on uh, that we do think is very applicable and very much an expression of, of you know who we are is that we do recognize that there is you know somewhat of a 
somewhat of a taboo sometimes about really fully experiencing emotions and feelings that often, especially when it comes to bad emotions and feelings, there can be kind of a, um, kind of a social norm sometimes to avoid them. And that that really is one, we think that's a, a very negative thing, you know, can potentially be toxic. And two is that, um, you know, that if that's something we're going to think that we have to be more upfront when we're, you know, really struggling with certain things, um, with certain feelings and emotions. And so, uh, you know, I guess if, if there's something that I would say that, you know, we really want to present to people, it's, it's to be more open with that, uh, with our listeners. And so that's really what the episode is going to be about. Um, so let me, let me talk about, you know, somewhat of what I've been going through when it comes to just kind of tackling some, some different, you know, difficult emotions and feelings. And for, for me, it's, it's, it is all running related. Um, it's, you know, on the day this episode comes out, I'm going to be 11 days away from, uh, from my marathon. And if you've been listening, you know how excited I'm about the Towpath Marathon that I have been training really well. Um, that I'm, you know, this is the last week. I've got one last final hard tempo run tomorrow that I'll be putting down. And then I, I do my 10 day taper and, you know, I am, I am very excited about it, but within the last month, what I've also started to recognize is, you know, there's anxiety starting to creep up. There's, there's worry starting to creep up. Um, I'm starting to think about beyond the race because, you know, frankly, I, I am tired, you know, physically tired from hard training and, you know, psychologically tired because I've got a lot riding on this race. It's, you know, it's an opportunity to pursue and try to tackle a goal that I've really has, has really kind of been central to my running since I started doing this back in 2011. And, uh, you know, mentally tired from just the the constant day in, day out you know, grind of training, you know, training and working and trying to fit in a little bit of a social life where I can. And, um, you know, so I've been really struggling with some of those emotions a little bit. And, and it's something that in the past I would have really tried to suppress, you know, Hey, you know, don't let these things creep into your mind. You got to get focused. You know, you're not, you're not focusing enough. And that would have just kind of furthered my performance anxiety for a race. So, um, you know, what I've been finding this year that I, I have been doing differently as I approach a really big race is I'm not shying away from having those experiences and those emotions anymore. Um, you know, the truth is that I really desperately want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I've gotten really close in the past. Um, I missed by two seconds to get entry into the 2019 Boston Marathon. And I can't tell you that that doesn't, you know, that doesn't haunt me a little bit. When you get that close and then you miss out, it's impossible not to have that in the back of your mind and to have that little nagging voice. And I've had that nagging voice of like, well, shit, what happens? You know, I've gone from thinking really strongly about my A goal to like all of a sudden thinking about like, well, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll probably be happy if I get my C goal. And it's because I'm, I'm, I am sabotaging myself a little bit, you know, not wanting to fully go all in. And, um, you know, what's different? is that I, I'm honestly diving all into that. Not in that I'm believing it this time around, but I'm recognizing, you know, the place where feelings like that come from. And I'm allowing myself to experience those things. And then recognizing and remembering, you know, why those feelings and emotions happen. Uh, if you go back to the performance mindset 
episode that I did where I talked about a lot about my coaching high school soccer players. Uh, I talk about how in the past I really tried <laughs> unsuccessfully to to really kind of get my high school soccer players to not really go well on their emotions, which, you know, anyone who has ever been around high school students knows that, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. That's a losing battle. And, and frankly, it's not realistic for anybody. And I talked about how there's research that shows that there's two tracks of thinking, you know, fast thinking and slow thinking and fast thinking is emotional and not necessarily rational. And that it always happens first. And it's only after we experience the emotions that we get into the rationality. And so, you know, knowing that I can hear that little voice in my head saying, well, what if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? And I can experience that thing and have that worry. And then I can come back and recognize like, oh, well, that's because you're worried about going all in on this race and being disappointed. And that's okay. And what you can do is go back and look at nine months of solid training. Uh, when I finish up my training in September, I will have put down four months of 200 mile plus you know, training. And the one month that I didn't do it was a planned uh, taper month in June, you know, tapered for my, my race that I ran in mid-June, followed by the recovery after that race. I've been consistent. I've put in the work. I've been hitting paces that I've never dreamed of hitting. I've put that time in. And so physically, you know, I really don't feel like I've left too much to chance. And, you know, a marathon is still a weird distance. You know, there's still a lot of things that can happen during a race. You know, we're still far enough off that you don't know what exactly race day is going to look like weather-wise, but, you know, I can feel that anxiety, recognize where it's coming from, you know, recognize the disappointment that I have felt, and then come back to the comfort of saying like, no, I've put this time in. I've done my time. I've put in my work. And, you know, you don't always fully know exactly how that's going to present itself on race day, but, you know, I can have that confidence in knowing that I've, I've really gone, I've really gone all in on this effort. And that's something to be proud of and something to feel that I, you know, something that I should take with me to the start line and bring that confidence with me, you know, and, and the other thing too, is that I think some of that anxiety comes from the fact that you know, I'm really going all in on this. Um, you know, my sea goal is to run a time that three years ago would have felt really hard to get to. I've always wanted to run sub three in a marathon. Um, and I frankly wasn't sure if I had, if I physically had it within me. And, you know, luckily just, you know, some different strength training, more attention to some nutrition, finally going and seeing a physical therapist uh, consistently to work on just, you know, the natural imbalances that happen when you're pushing your body this hard have allowed me to stay consistent and have allowed me to run as strong as I've ever run and have taken me to territory now where sub three doesn't feel out of this realm and is frankly a seagull. And um, part of what comes with that though, is that I'm leaving the territory of the comfort zone that I've been in of being pretty, you know, pretty darn good. Somebody who's been able to BQ twice, um, you know, has run under, you know, has run under 304 in a marathon, but you know, that's, that's all familiar territory for me. Like if I were to run those paces now, it would feel comfortable and like, I'm not pushing myself. And what I've struggled with over the years, because, you know, 
psychologically and physically, we like comfort. We like being comfortable in what we're doing. You know, Andrew and I were talking on Monday about just kind of some things we want to do professionally in our lives that are very much different from what we're doing now. And I talked about, you know, I've mentioned that I am working on starting a nutrition coaching business in the past. And frankly, I haven't gotten very far. I haven't gotten far enough with it to launch it yet. And there's a couple of reasons for it. And one of it is that work for me financially has been going as well as it's ever gone. Um, I'm making really good money. And that leads to an element of comfort. Like I can walk in to work five days a week and have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to make. And um, there's a comfort level that comes with that. Like I don't really have to try very hard to do it. I'm, I'm just good at my job. Um, and that's great. Financially, that's great. But does it, does it really excite me or interest me anymore? No, it doesn't. I just, I'll be right up front and tell, you know, tell you that it doesn't, but there's that comfort zone of knowing what to expect every day, uh, of knowing what I'm going to make every day. And I'm really struggling to get over that. And, you know, the same applies to my running when I have that little bit of anxiety, you know, part of what's coming up there is that, you know what, I know I could go out there and probably be okay running the paces that are going to get me just under my PR, but not really push me to the limits of what I'm capable of doing. And, you know, so that little voice in my brain goes, Hey, there's some safety here and just backing off a little bit and not worrying about pushing yourself and truly seeing what you're capable of. Because if you really try to do that, there's a potential that you could blow up, that you could have a bad day, that things might not go right. And there's a little voice in my head that goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's that, it's that safety that our, our mind and our ego really crave. But God, that doesn't interest me at all. I understand the little voice there, and I, I truly do see, I'm not going to say that I see the wisdom of it. I see the safety in it. Um, but so, like, when I feel that emotion and I feel that anxiety, um, again, I allow myself to feel it. And I go, yeah, 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 I hear you. I really do. I do. But, man, my values just don't. I One of the things I love about running is that, I'm at my best when I'm really pushing myself up against my boundaries, trying to grow. And so, you know, again, recognizing that our brain will try to lie to us and try to keep us safe so that we don't risk embarrassing ourselves, that we don't risk hurting ourselves, you know, acknowledging that that's there and then just saying, hey, I know that you're there, but it's just not what my values dictate. It's just not what I'm all about when I do this is really something that's helping me. Um, you know, so it just, I, I guess... I don't get anxious about the anxiety anymore, if that makes sense. Um, I recognize where it's coming from, and that's helping me. And then the last thing that has really helped me is some reading that I did here within the last month or so. I finished the book. Um, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and I finished a book called Inside a Marathon, uh, written by Scott Fobble. Huge Scott Fobble fan. Really love him as sort of this next generation of American uh, of American male runners. And... Uh, What's great about the book is that, you know, how many professional runners are really willing to fully go all in on, you know, explaining and describing their training. You know, you might get runners that share you like a little segment here or there, but, you know, the book is, is truly the outline of all of the training that Scott Fobble did for his, his sort of breakout 2018 New York City Marathon. And it's basically divided into three parts. 
um, for each week of training. The first part is just the actual workouts that he did, as well as just some quick notes and thoughts on those workouts. And then his coach, Ben Rosario, giving you his overview from a coaching perspective of how that week went and what that week entailed. And then finally, Scott Fowler himself giving you his thoughts on the week, you know, what that week entailed, how he felt, the different things he he dealt with. And what I really love about this book is it's very real. And I was very surprised at how real Scott gets with his self-doubt, uh, with his concerns. Um, you know, you come to recognize like, yeah, these guys are professionals and you would think that, you know, they they work on this thing every day. Like this is their job. You know, all of us, you know, me and Andrew talking about this, you guys listening to this, this isn't your job. This is our avocation. These are the, you know, running is something we do for fun. You know, so professional runners, oh my God, you know, with access to all these different professionals who can talk about aspects of performance, clearly they've got to have this stuff figured out. Right. And, you know, Scott's very real in getting into the concerns he has and the doubts that he deals with. And, and the steps he takes to handle those. And he meditates. He talks a lot about presence, which is something you guys have heard me talk about before. And one of the things that I really liked, and I don't remember if it was what he, if it was his mental approach to the New York City Marathon or if it was what he talked about. He does an epilogue, which is just a very quick breakdown of his 2019 Boston Marathon when he was the top American male in that race. Um, but he talks about how in one of the races, as he's breaking it down sort of mile by mile, he will, he'll have different thinking, you know, just different thoughts that come through his head. And they're good thoughts and negative thoughts, you know, hey, I'm feeling really bad at this mile and I still have 20 miles to cover. This has got awful. And his mantra will just be, that's just thinking, let it flow. Or, you know, later on in the race where he's up front with the lead pack and feeling strong and thinking like, man, I could have a really good day. I, I could finish top five you know, positive thoughts. He'll go, no, that's just thinking, let it flow. And I've really, I've really liked that approach. And it's something that I've applied to some of my harder workouts here in the last couple of weeks, um, specifically a, a tempo run that I had last Thursday, where it was a 10 mile tempo run at race pace, um, you know, 635 pace for me right now. And, you know, it's just running that was happening on, on, you know, tired legs at the end of a marathon segment. And, I ran the I ran the segment well. I had to push to do it, but you know, when don't you have to push through a tempo run at the end of a marathon segment? And I was in a stretch where I was down to my last three or four miles, and there was that little voice in my head going, "Man, this is really tiring." And you know, are you sure you want to do all ten miles? And my brain would go, "No, that's just thinking. Let it flow." You know, then my legs are just my legs are starting to feel like concrete man, this really is tough. Why the hell do I do this to myself? That's just thinking, let it flow. And then the last mile of the actual tempo effort came on a turnaround. I, I was three miles away from my car. And so I hit the turnaround and I started to feel really good. I was like, oh man, Alec, you're really flying now. This is awesome. And it was like, that's just thinking, let it flow. And it was about this idea of don't let your, you know, I was really trying to make sure that my emotions didn't let me get too carried away feeling too bad or feeling too good, but just recognizing that I needed to stay in the mile that I was in and just keep pushing through. And so it wasn't about suppressing those feelings or emotions, um, but it was about recognizing that those feelings or emotions aren't really about the work that I was trying to do at that exact moment and that I needed to put my focus back on the work. And so really just this entire approach for me has really been about 
not ignoring those feelings or emotions, um, but being better prepared now to understand where those feelings or emotions come from, letting myself feel them, but then kind of getting more back to the presence of saying like, hey, you know, focus on the fact that you've put in a lot of time and effort and you've been consistent doing it and you're going to be okay. Um, you know, recognizing that, hey, when you're really pushing yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, there's going to be fear and anxiety that comes along with that. And that's okay. It's okay for our brains to, to want us to stay safe. But, you know, my values dictate trying to push those boundaries. And so I'm going to live to those values. And so feel the anxiety, feel the fear. It's totally fine. But then recognize where it's coming from and getting back to what's really important to me. And then finally, being present with what I'm doing, recognizing that, yeah, you can tell yourself really good stories in a race and you can tell yourself really bad stories in a race. And sometimes those really good stories, you know, can actually let you, can actually get you out of your rhythm, get you to running faster than you want to. Um, and that if, you know, if you've got a plan for how you want to handle that race, you want to just stay on your plan. And, you know, with my tempo run the other day, it was about staying in my plan of like, no, get through consistently, run consistent miles. Don't go too fast and tire yourself out too early. Don't go and allow yourself to feel that doubt when that happens. Just handle the workout the way that you intended to handle the workout. And so, um, you know, I, I'm really allowing myself to feel these emotions and the experiences, but then, you know, letting that rational thinking then kick in a little bit late, you know, letting that rational thinking kick in when it does and making sure that I, I'm staying focused on the big goals at hand and staying focused on the process of really getting to those goals uh, because that's how I'm going to put down what I hope is going to be a really good race. And you know what? Andrew and I are going to do an episode after we run a race this year in October where we're going to talk about kind of like a post-mortem, like, all right, how do you handle, you know, what do you look at after a race to look at what went well, to look at didn't go well, and how do you then kind of parlay that into what comes next? So, um, you know, I guess for my segment a little bit, it did kind of become a, a little bit of, I don't want to say like a how to deal with your emotions, but it's how I'm dealing with my emotions right now as I get close to this really big goal. Um, and yeah, next week we're going to talk about my race preview, and then in two weeks, cross my fingers, I'll have a, a good race story to share with you guys, okay? I'm going to hand it over to Andrew now. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for that amazing intro. So yeah, this was a strange last week for me, uh, and I there were just a few moments that I kind of felt worthy of talking about. Uh, not necessarily is it something I want to go into uh, in detail, but um, putting a dog down is never an easy thing to do, and uh, we had to do that last week with... The dog that in the dynamic of our family was basically my dog. And uh, she, she was my girl, my, my snuggle buddy, my bed partner, or my nap partner. Um, she was my, uh, <laughs> she probably, my, probably made my wife jealous because I'm not a very physically affectionate person. Uh, pretty much all that was saved for our girl, Krenzel, uh, named after the 2002-2003 National Championship quarterback, Craig Krenzel for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, but she was, she was my, she was my girl. And, uh, we had to uh, unfortunately let her, um, cross the rainbow bridge. So they say, 
And I really had a tough time with it last week. Um, and it was, you know, having emotional moments that would perhaps be deemed unmanly, uh, especially in just our society in general, that really has so often um, discouraged men from having feelings and showing emotion. And I definitely did not um, shy away from showing emotion, having emotion, feeling emotion, and processing it. It was it was necessary, and it's always necessary. Um, and that's just something that I kind of wanted to touch on. There were a few things that I had really thought about um, over the, over the week. And one of them was some of the verbiage that we use around emotions. I, uh, I had tweeted something one day about how I had held it together much of the day until we got a phone call from our vet asking what we would like done with the bed that I had left her on as we, we left her, uh, because I couldn't take, I was just too sad. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of, um, leaving her, uh, and, and taking that bed with me. And, you know, I want memories of her, but I don't want reminders that she's gone. And, but that, that phrase, hold it together, that would imply the rest of the day I was falling apart. Falling apart is negative. Falling apart is unhealthy. Uh, falling apart is being filled with rage when a race requires you, uh, you know, show a proof of vaccination or negative COVID test that that is falling apart. Uh, falling apart is not grieving the loss of a companion. And I, it was just kind of, that was what really got me thinking about even recording this episode was I, I just, I wanted to just think about the idiocy and the, um, the ignorance behind some of that verbiage and just some of the attitude around things. And it does relate to running. Uh, you know, it, it, re- it relates to any grief, any loss that we have. And we have, we do have that in running. And I, I don't know how well to tie it to running. I, I don't have many examples except for COVID. Uh, we, we all lost something when it comes to running and COVID, especially those of us who were training for spring races. Um, it, you know, I was... You know, I've talked ad nauseum about how I was, you know, nine weeks into a 15-week training cycle for Glass City, and I had just come off an amazing 18-mile run that left me certain I would PR at the end of April last year. And, you know, it was taken away from me as quickly as that run happened. And my head was spinning, and while I agreed with the decision, I knew it was the right decision, and I didn't. I was not shocked when I saw the email. I expected the email uh, that the race was canceled a few weeks later um, after that 18-mile run. I expected that email, and it still hit me hard, and it hurt. And I struggled just to run. Like I, I know a lot of people run to clear their head. And while I do that at times, maybe from work, it does running does not offer me the comfort. And it's different for everybody. And I think that's something important. I had a bunch of people tell me, oh, man, yeah, get out and run and, you know, kind of have a distraction last week. And I, it, it's not something I wanted to do. Like, it, it does not offer me the same comfort that it does others. And that's because everybody's different. 
Uh, and it was the same way during uh, the beginning of this pandemic that we are still in. But it was, it was the same type of grief and loss. It was something I had poured my heart and soul into for more than nine weeks because my, my tr- strength training over the winter, my base building over the winter was put into it. So it was more than just the nine weeks. I mean, you're talking, this was really a, a culmination of even the full cycle before in 2019 where I did Akron and Columbus. It, it was it was a culmination of all of that. And I was, I was in the best shape that the best running condition I've been in uh, since I PR'd maybe ever. And it, I had this race stripped from me because of something that was out of everybody's control. And uh, that was, that was a difficult thing to process, but the important thing is processing it. And I think when we look at people who are still upset at COVID protocols for races, because it's a year and a half later and you're just propagating fear and yada, yada, yada. It's like, no, no process. What's going on? Like process the emotions we feel. It's okay to grieve through this pandemic where we've lost vacations. We've lost, time with family we've lost races that we trained for that we love that maybe we qualified for and registered for you know we 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 lost a lot um and you need to you need to sit and understand what you're feeling and i think that can be one of the most difficult things is to understand what you feel i remember when my dad was diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of the year one of the strangest things to me was there were feelings that I had never felt and I didn't know what they were there. There was a wide range of emotions and feelings like we're, we're familiar with the typical ones, anger, happiness, love, love's more of a choice. Uh, but you know, anger, happiness, love, all these different, the, you know, the common emotions, uh, we, there, there are other ones that have names that I don't even know, but you have to, I think there's like 200 emotions and, uh, you know, I was feeling ones that I, I didn't understand. I didn't know that made me uncomfortable, but I wanted to experience them. I think when we, when we talk to Mark Matthews, especially or Mark Matthews, wrong author, Mark Freeman, uh, especially the one back in May, we really talked a lot about having feelings. And I think that that is something that we've missed as a society, um, over the last year and a half. Uh, and even the way, not that anybody came at me in a negative way, everybody meant well, uh, you know, in offering encouragement and telling me to get out and run. There, there's no need to apologize for saying it or anything like that. Um, you, you meant well, and I appreciate every kind word that I received over the last week, just like I did when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, you know, it it, that means, it means a lot to me to know people are there, but I'm going to process things on my own. I'm not going to have people tell me how to process it because we're told so much how to process things. And we see so much how people process things because of social media, how people process these emotions, races being taken away. Like I remember last year, people just saying, I had posted a picture, a screenshot of the email from Glass City, and somebody was like, 
somebody's made a snarky comment about, well, you know, it's no surprise. So basically, why are you upset? And it's like, look, it, it's, it was not a surprise. I expected it. I agreed with the decision. I expected it more than the race did. I got a pretty poor PR Instagram message from them. I think just a day or two before that. And, uh, you know, they, but that, that comment doesn't help me. It's, it's, it's my grief and it's what I feel. And, you know, I'll be transparent in my grief and, I was transparent when Glass City was taken away from me, even though I agreed with it and I, and I saw it officially and, but I knew weeks before it wasn't going to happen. I stopped running weeks before it was taken away because I knew it just was not going to happen. Uh, there, there, especially at that point, there were just far too many unknowns. We thought maybe fall races would happen. Oh man, we were in for a shock, but you know, it, it was, it, it was all part of processing it was, you know, seeing that finality, having that, that, that closure of it, it, um, it's similar to when I picked up my dog's ashes on Friday. I knew she was gone. Our house has been empty. I miss my cuddle partner. My evenings are not the same without her on my lap, but there was something about getting her and getting her back in my house that brought me closure. But the grief is still there. The grief is still real. My house is still eerily quiet. And that's a reminder that she's gone. Just as my training was eerily quiet last year when I realized Glass City wasn't going to happen. But getting that email was the same thing as picking up her ashes. While it was inevitable, it really hit home that it wasn't going to happen. And I processed my own grief and I think we all did. Well, we all should have. I think a lot of us missed it. And I I think when we look at the people who just want things to be normal, like just like nothing's wrong. I think we see people who haven't processed things and understood what we've lost over the last year and a half. And this was not meant to be a COVID thing. That's just the most relevant running analogy I can think of when it comes to processing your emotions. But there are others. I mean, we've all suffered with injuries. We've suffered with bonks of training runs that leave us with uncertainty and doubt. Uh, We've we've struggled with, you know, just race days that don't go our way. Um, Sickness that approaches race day that just derails all plans and we lost weeks and weeks and weeks of training something we poured our heart and soul into we sacrificed time with family we sacrificed sleep we sacri- which we shouldn't do we sacrificed all these things and things get taken away from us as runners out on things that maybe are out of our control And when we don't process it properly, when we don't have feelings, when we don't have emotion, we don't fully comprehend the gravity of these situations. And it can lead to mistakes with injury when you, if you don't process the grief of an injury, you're going to come back too hard. You feel, you, you feel fine one day and I mean, I see, I see it happen so many times. I mean, I see there are people that I follow on social media and some people who may listen to this and maybe this hits home. Uh, 
and, and but I see people who go through these cycles of just repeated injury and they don't understand why. And it's like, sometimes you just have to sit there and go, this fucking sucks. Like, I hate this. Uh, my IT band just will not be quiet. And I just want to run. I had a great training cycle. I should have PR'd. I should have done this. I should have qualified for Boston or Olympic trials or something. And just can't process the emotion and, 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 and sit in your grief enough to take a step back and really understand what it's going to take to be 100% again. Because without processing that grief, the problem never really becomes real. And our issues as runners need to become real for us to focus on the solution and focus on getting better. To just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and David Goggins your way through shit, it's not sustainable. I hate to shit on that dude all the time, but it's not sustainable. You can't David Goggins your way through life. You can't do it through running. If you're injured, it sucks. Everything sucks. You're losing a passion. Like You're listening to this. It's not just because this is some hobby, like playing guitar is a hobby for me. I'm not good at playing guitar. I enjoy it, but I'm not good at it. And it's not something I'm passionate about. It's just a, it's just a creative outlet for me to jam out the songs I like to listen to. And I'm not good at it. And that's fine. Running is my passion. Running is something I'm good at. And if you run half marathons or marathons, you're good at running. If you get out and run three, four, five times a week, you're a good runner. It is something you're good at, you're passionate about, and you enjoy. So process the emotion, the sadness, the grief that comes with it. Be present in it. Feel it. Be sad. Cry. Weep. It's okay. It's okay to do those things. It's not only okay, it's good. It's good for you mentally. And if you're stronger mentally because you're taking care of yourself and you're allowing yourself to have feelings, it's going to be better for you physically because you're going to be able to take that step back. When I had my 2016 Columbus Marathon, I was pissed. I talk about that race all the time. I was pissed in the moment. And I should have been in some ways. But there, there, there was more on me than there was on the lady who cut me off at the water stop. And I refused to feel just sadness in the moment. All I could feel was anger. Anger turned to pity. Pity turned to a temper tantrum on the course. Don't let that be your everyday running life. I related this to running a lot better than I thought I would. And I hope it makes sense. I don't really know what process your emotions means, except to be present in them. Try to listen to them. You learn a lot about yourself and how you feel. And you don't necessarily want to overcome those feelings. Just be present in those feelings. 
I hope maybe this helps you. If you have questions, I'll answer them as best I can or direct you to people who can. I definitely recommend Mark Freeman's book, You Are Not a Rock. One million percent yes, read that book. He's a great dude, a down-to-earth guy, and he understands what it means to have feelings. So have yourself some feelings. Make sure that you like, rate, and review us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button so you can listen to us next week when we come back and we do a little towpath marathon preview for Adam. We do a little Boston Marathon discussion as well because that's the week after. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Our fall races are beginning. The Akron Marathon was astounding on Saturday. So good to have a downtown race back. It was like picking up my dog's ashes. It was a little bit of closure to everything. And it was emotional for me to be there. Uh, But it it was a good time to support some runners and see some PRs crushed. And uh, I look forward to talking about a little bit of that next week. So like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever on your favorite platform. Stay, uh, stay sane, guys. Have feelings. Hug your dogs and enjoy your miles, everybody.